0: Some old 80s commercials today. I mean commercials from the 80s. Yeah <laughs> Just because I was feeling very nostalgic. So nothing's changed <laughs> But there's some wild 80s commercials. I'll have to show you One of them is this Hallmark commercial about this dad making fun of his teenage daughter And then the mom's just gives him this look. He's like, what did I do? and then it's like Hallmark like, if you say something stupid, you can get your child a card, like that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> what? And so he slips this card under his teenage daughter's door and then she reads it. They have his VO narrating over like her thought as she's reading the card. Then she opens the door and the dad's just like standing there like a creep, like smiling. <laughs> it was unreal. Guy was dying laughing the whole time. Oh dude, and then I watched a Sega Genesis commercial that literally, the whole commercial was a jingle about how it's better than Nintendo. The jingle was like, we're doing things Nintendo won't do. Like that, like (laughs) that was actually the jingle that they were singing in the Genesis commercial. It was unbelievable. Where is Sega now? (laughs) (laughs) True. Feels bad. True, true, true. This is gonna be a wild episode today, you know why? Because it's the first episode where we, I get to do a second season of something that we did the first season of uh, a while ago. I totally forgot. For did. another episode. So it's the first time I actually get to do season two of something. It's the first sequel episode. Yeah, in a way. That's exciting. So episode 19, we did Dave season one. I
1: completely forgot about
0: that. And here we are in episode 82. And I'm caught up now. Yeah. And you've actually watched it. I've joined
1: you in the sun and now we get to celebrate together
0: i'm so glad you did because i feel like i was taking crazy pills just being like is anyone watching dave because this is incredible do you know if people have been watching Dave? not like (laughs) people in our lives I i know i know i don't know i have no idea there's no one online going like hey by the way dave on fx is really good right now like no one's saying that but it is really good right now and it just ended last week I wonder if it's getting caught up in the shadow of other shows. You know, like White Lotus
1: has just had its finale and mm-hmm. the conversation is just elsewhere.
0: I'm halfway through White Lotus right now. So oh, I'm not, we'll probably be doing a podcast about that soon. It'll be me talking about White Lotus. And you, if you, and if you, you finish
1: it and you tell me it's worth, you know, then
0: I'll check it out. I already told you <laughs> the reasons you should watch it. But
1: but it then, I
0: mean, like if they have it's like all a, for social commentary.
1: If they have like a... Dave episode nine of season two episode White Lotus. Okay, I'll let you.
0: Yeah, I'll let you know. Be sucked in. So we're here to talk about season two. Season one ended with Dave proving that he was of worth, that he was worthy to be sort of a rapper or a musical artist, just at all. And he went on this radio channel. They accused him of being a white rapper and being of cultural appropriation, of doing cultural appropriation. Are using? I don't know. Culturally
1: appropriating. Yeah, he accused, <laughs> it was interesting because it wasn't just his relationship with Gaeta, but Charlemagne and co. kind of accused Dave of appropriating the the mm-hmm. art form, the mm-hmm. medium the of, art r- of rap right. and hip hop. Yeah. Which was the fact, it was like a much bigger than I'd ever anticipated because there is there is like a question like <laughs> when it comes to, it was also interesting Charlemagne or someone else in I think season one referred to rap and hip hop as sort of like this African American, not cornerstone, but like a huge important part of the culture. And that it was that demographics genre. It it was like, it was theirs. So for someone like Dave to come in and start doing his satirical parody, like almost like making a mockery of it, at least in their minds, not in his, he has a very different vision or idea of what he's doing. But for, Mm -hmm. for other people like Charlemagne to come and say that, I think really kind of shook him a little bit and yeah. made him realize what, what he might have even been doing subconsciously, sure. which is really interesting because it's totally a huge conversation point, not just for the show, but for real life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me just explain, as I should have a few minutes ago, what Dave is. <laughs> Dave is... Dave is a little Dicky. There's a white Jewish guy named Little Dicky who's a rapper. You could call him like a comedy rapper. It's kind of like in the style of like a...
1: Lonely Island.
0: Lonely Island, or I was going to say, yeah, he would hate that. Or I was going to say, um, Weird Al Yankovic, Yankovic, Yankovic. And he, through contact with Kevin Hart has made this show that is sort of about his personal life, but he's also taking a lot of creative Liberty throughout it and which makes it so good, but it follows him kind of fumbling his way through a musical career in the rap industry as a white Jewish man. So anyway, at the end of season one, after he's accused of cultural appropriation, he kind of freestyle raps with his friend Gata, who is a black person, right there supporting him. And he kind of proves the radio talk show hosts wrong that he can actually rap. And so it ends kind of on that note on a high that like he's now kind of proven himself to be an actual musician. So when season two starts, Time is very elusive in this show. Oftentimes, even between scenes in one episode, you don't know how much time has passed. You just know that time has passed. Sometimes they even cut major plot points that would be heavily addressed in other shows. And that's what makes this show, I think, very artful, is the way that it goes from scene to scene and the things that it does show you as an audience member, as opposed to what it's not showing you. And it's showing you the moments that matter emotionally and that's what makes it so artful. And it's done it's sometimes uh, from a filmmaking perspective in a, in a very artful way. But it starts the season and it follows this journey with Dave after he's sort of proven himself as a musician, as a person who can rap, a white person who can rap. As he kind of becomes full of himself and he becomes sort of a megalomaniac and... Gabe and I have been saying he's sort of a sociopath because he (laughs) displays the sociopathic tendencies and it follows that throughout the whole season. It really shows you chapter by chapter as he is on the incline in his musical career, at least in his own mind. He just becomes more and more of a narcissist and he treats everyone in his life, the people that actually love him, like shit. (laughs) Anyway. Closest friends.
1: Yeah. The second season, I was just going to say in terms of his, the timing of his career it is, I think, a few months. There are a few context clues in the show that, especially in his relationship with his ex girlfriend, that sort of place the time. And it's, I oh, think, right. the whole second season takes place in like the six months after the end of season one, which is where his career launches and he signs with a label. And that's sort of where the whole season is dealing with that period of time up until his first official tour, where he sort of goes from being establishing his talent for the viewer, to establishing his talent for the world in the show. And that's like the journey of season two is him trying to fully realize himself in the industry, right? Stuff like getting himself on the Billboard Top 10 is uh, in his mind. Those are like the the types of goals that he's setting himself up for in this season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many of you out there are familiar with Kanye West and his ego, but... He sort of equates himself. It's hard for me to actually talk about Dave as if I'm talking about him outside of the show or him in the show. So in this instance, I'm talking about Dave inside of the show because I have no idea what he's like in real life. Anyway, so <laughs> he in the show equates himself to be on the same level as someone as egomaniacal as, as Kanye West. And he thinks that he should be at that caliber, that he should have those kinds of fans and that kind of dedicated following. He completely believes he's a generational talent. Yeah, He says. He, like, he thinks, much like Kanye West, Yeah, that he's like a gift from heaven, like sent from heaven to be <laughs> this person of talent that will not only change the face of rap, but change the face of the culture. Yeah. He thinks he's that gifted.
1: On an international level. Yeah. Touching even Korea. Yeah, and unironically, it is unusual for a protagonist to so completely believe they are the one, like to fully be bought into the idea that they are the best in their field and then to try to realize that because nobody else, even his closest friends, are on the same page. It's crazy. Like, it's such a relentless, not optimism, but a relentless belief in himself, which is is simultaneously inspiring and, like we said, uh, insane, so...
0: Yeah. So I was going to ask, why do you think his friends put up with him? But I can answer that myself. It's because one of them is his manager and one of them has nothing else going for him. While Els, who's like, he was one of my other favorite aspects of season one. He was sort of like kind of cast aside in this season, still present, but their relationship was so strange because in season one, Dave kind of screws his friend Els over, a childhood friend, Els, who also makes the beats that Dave raps on, makes the actual music. Els in this season is more successful than Dave, but is not waving around apart from just kind of jokingly doing it to mess with Dave, his success. And they sort of have to patch up their friendship in this season. But like, it's interesting to me that the people in his life still stick around like him and they kind of put up with his ranting because he rants a lot. Yeah. And that was the thing that always bothered me about Dave, not only the show, but the character, (laughs) that every time, particularly in season two, as he continues to be more sociopathic and narcissistic, it became more and more annoying because he's clearly doing the wrong thing and treating people poorly. That when in episode nine, which we'll talk about in just a second, he's finally confronted with the fact that you overanalyze everything way too much, and that's kind of your biggest problem. I love that they addressed that, because that sort of ranting that he always does, based around his own narcissism, but he always just goes off on all these rants about his belief in the world and how he views everything, It's just super annoying to listen to. And I'm glad that they sort of confronted that, at least, or just kind of exposed that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about episode nine a little bit? Yeah. Even like leading up to it, and then why episode nine is significant. Yeah. So, as we mentioned, the
1: whole second season is him sort of in the nascent stages of his blossoming career with a label and establishing himself in the industry and different hijinks along the way and the relationships he has. And like steven said, he finally starts to come to terms with that in the last couple episodes. In episode eight, he kind of breaks down at the end around his parents and realizes that he is neglecting hardcore his family and friends and he starts to come to terms with that so in episode nine he has a um, kind of an out-of-body experience thanks to some drugs and a sensory deprivation tank
0: floating yeah uh,
1: on the premises of a renowned recording studio that he's been sent to to finally get his album done because he's been procrastinating for the entire season he has writer's block and he can't get anything done. So he's sent there to finally accomplish his album to get it done. But what ends up happening is the process for him to do that, according to the elusive Rick Rubin, who is sort of the the maestro here, is he has to come to terms with himself inwardly and his ego, as they say. Mm-hmm. And he basically has to confront his character flaws and really look inwardly and, and process that and come to terms with that. So... The way they do that is through, uh, the whole episode is like a dream sequence. And it's sort of a descent into his mind and his heart and soul. And it culminates with him confronting his ego, his residual self-image of himself. who A
0: self-realized ego
1: version of himself. Who in the dream space is a a naked and completely shaven Dave.
0: (laughs) Dave, as a person, has a giant... It's a giant mop head. A lot of hair. That sticks out because it's very curly. And and then in the show, they put... You know, he's playing both himself and then this ego version of himself. So they put a bald cap on him. So his head is quite bigger than it normally (laughs) would be be if it were shaven. And um, then they also shaved off his eyebrows and any facial hair. Yeah. And he looks mighty different
1: he's got a tiny uh what is that <laughs> that sort of
0: japanese style of underwear oh it's uh yeah i know what you're talking about I it's like, like a diaper the,
1: yeah i can't remember what the word is but he and so he confronts that version of himself in the dream space mm-hmm. which echoes back to such classic episodes of television as if anyone's familiar with the leftovers season two episode eight international assassin where justin Thoreau dives into his own psyche to confront a lot of his baggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first thing I thought of, because it's a very, I mean, in a show that's already playing with surrealism, it's a show that just goes fully into that, com- mm-hmm. leans completely into that mm-hmm. that angle. And it's mostly a success. He's able to break through. It's a success, at least in a, in a professional way, because he's mm-hmm. able to finally finish his album because he finds his ego self plays music for him that is essentially what he wants to produce it's exactly what he needs yeah so he gets over the hurdle of the writer's block that he had yeah and then that moves into episode 10 where he's finally able to not only you know finish his album but he's also able to start making progress in his relationships with his closest friends and stop treating them like garbage mm-hmm. basically yeah he finally starts to express uh not just a penitence but a there's, there's a warmth that comes out, and mm-hmm. especially for Gaeta, who is his hype man.
0: And a very dedicated, loving, and committed friend. You yeah. Know, he's well, just like a good person.
1: He's a ride or die, yeah. as they say. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the guy we talked about who's with Dave in episode 10. It was a talking point. Like, what is the nature of Dave's
0: relationship with Gaeta. Episode 10 of season one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the end of this next arc of their relationship, which is Gaeta is an aspiring artist in his own right, and he's been sort of not waiting on Dave to kind of recognize his own talent, but also that, because that's what all of Dave's friends are sort of waiting for Dave to to <laughs> recognize them as well, because Dave's been so caught up with his own stuff. And Dave finally sees Gaeta... Yeah. Not just as, as like a sidekick, but he recognizes his own talents. And his passion. And he brings him into the fold and he... Yeah. His big show and then moving into his tour. Televised. He collaborates with him and they're both on stage as equals and it's really cool to see. Yeah. They perform together.
0: Yeah. And that was, to me, the kind of the heart of season two was following Dave's sense of self as he tries to get over his narcissism, the realization of who he is. But all the while... His relationship with Gaeta in episode five, I think it was, which was the bar mitzvah episode or six, when Gaeta hops on top of the car and then they end the episode with that success, that high moment of Geta rapping on top of the car and all the kids are like going, yeah, this is dope. I thought the season was going to go in the direction of the rise of Gaeta and then the fall of Dave. <laughs> Be- and I thought that would have been really interesting because yeah. they're both named Dave, just happenstantially. mm mm-hmm. And I thought that would have been a really interesting dynamic. The humbling experience of Dave falling off the horse as Gaeta rises and becomes the the it man would have been a very interesting dynamic for the show, I think. But I mean, I like that they still sort of ended up there at the end of the season, but it was in a different way than I had sort of suspected.
1: That would have been a really interesting turn. But yeah, I'm glad that Dave is finally making strides moving forward with his own character. Because sure. we, we season one was such, not lightning in a bottle, but it was such a, a fantastic flagship season because Dave yeah. was somebody, you know, outside of all the technical achievements and the clever writing, but Dave was a character who was very flawed and yet charming. And season two leaned into him finally getting everything he had ever wanted, or at least the first parts of it, moving towards capturing his lofty ambitions and finally realizing his dreams. And so all that came with his intense narcissism, and he was pretty much an extremely unlikable character for most of the season. And to finally kind of come around on that and to see a payoff where he is dealing with those character flaws is really rewarding. And I really hope, I told Steven this, that in season three and moving forward that he will not be such an asshole.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with you. If I could agree with you more than 100%, like 110% agree with you, I would do that. Because one thing about the show is it seems that it has a very formidable voice in the creative in that it's really trying to do something unique and thoughtful. And because of the thoughtful creative forces behind the show, which I have heard from Kevin Hart talking about Dave Bird, who's a little dicky in real life. That he's sort of like a a genius in his own right that Dave or the creatives and the writers behind the show will continue to acknowledge the work that was done in the previous seasons to build upon them so I really do hope that they move forward to season 3 assuming that there will be a season 3 and the seasons beyond with the acknowledgement that to build on the character work that they have done so far, instead of like we see in so many other seasons of television and other shows, like sometimes character work is done and then it's almost forgotten. And we see episodes where those characters fall back into their, their old ways without ever really acknowledging the fact that they had a lot of progress. And it would be a shame to see that here, especially for such a creative show. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we should also say because we really haven't yet. That on top of all this creativity and the caliber of the show. <laughs> there are a lot of strange things that happen in this show. A lot of outlandish, wild, sexual and stupid jokes and mm-hmm. events play out and you do have to swallow some of those along with you do have to swallow those bitter pills along with the genius that is in the show. You want to talk about some of those? Yeah. <laughs> For example, go ahead, Gabe. I mean, one of the most readily available moments, just
1: because it's fresh in our heads from conversations with other people, would be uh, the third episode of season two, where he has this kind of borderline homoerotic relationship with Benny Blanc, who is hilarious in the show as well. (laughs) Who's a music producer in
0: real life and in the show?
1: Yes, Uh, and they're like they're they're just really close, and it's a really interesting portrayal of. uh, That's putting it lightly male friendship <laughs> I mean cuz it's like the ancient Greeks were like that right there there's there's a closeness and an intimacy and a comfortability with each other that you don't see today and so it might rub people the wrong way cuz it's like it's kind of it has that almost homoerotic charge to it because they're like touchy-feely and there's there's some butt stuff going
0: on <laughs> <laughs> You know it's interesting cuz that that kind of humor and that joking I see a lot in the new generations as they continue to deconstruct the things that they've been handed and, you know, the cultures that were coming from the generations that were coming from going, why do they, why is this taboo? Can we, mm-hmm. can we not make it taboo? And so you see a little bit of that in White Lotus as well with the two young girl characters, but it's something that this show often plays around with. And Dave, as a person who essentially overanalyzes everything, he's constantly deconstructing every possible establishment in life that he's confronted with, you know, instead of asking, why does this door open? It's why does this door open this way? Is there another way a door can open? And so it's, he does that with every single thing that is in front of him, you know, whatever it is, it's just whatever it is, he's deconstructing it. And so I think that's why he has that kind of relationship with uh, Benny in that episode and why, you know, a lot of those kind of easy jokes, those easy I don't know what else to say besides poop jokes. Potty humor. Yeah. The potty humor, the easy kind of potty humor that you find. The low hanging fruit. Yeah. Well, there's a a show like this (laughs) is, is because of that kind of deconstruction of the generation asking those questions about, you know, why can't I joke about this? That kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and there are many examples of that throughout the show. Almost every episode has such a wide range of emotions, at least for me as I was watching it, from it was so hilarious to tremendously awkward to the point where I almost had to like yeah. look, look away a little bit. Total cringe. Not It's not always of a sexual nature, like we said, but it's very challenging thematically because Dave is he's a very peculiar individual. But also I think if we're honest with ourselves as people in the audience... These are questions that a lot of us will kind of deal with at some point in time or even Mm -hmm. gloss over ourselves. And it's always a meaningful experience. And it's always something that Dave has to work through and process. It's never like a glancing, you know, cursory blow where it's just like there for the joke. And then we move on. There's always an intention, an underlying meaning
0: to it. Yeah, I was thinking just now about the imagery of, in season one, Mike opening the garage to the milking episode. Yes.
1: That was such an interesting...
0: Awkwardness.
1: Yeah. Well, I I like the word you used, deconstruction, because every episode has a deconstruction almost of something. And that one was like of the sexual experience and how partners will Mm -hmm. interact with each other in that way. Mm -hmm. And so just like Dave confronts everything, every difficult experience with jokes, so too the show will... Or topics, yeah. Use humor to broach that subject matter with the audience. And it's always, like I said, it's either absolutely hilarious, like objectively really funny, or it's just super awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I think it rides that line. It's supposed to be. That, so well yeah. as a show, yeah. yeah. And which is why I think it's so fun to talk about and noteworthy and hopefully picks up steam. Yeah, totally. Because I think they're just as artists and creatives behind a television show, I think they're really f- further defining their style yeah. and what the tone of the show really is, which, you know, we've talked
0: about, we can't even really nail down what the tone of the show is in a few words. That was the one thing, honestly, when you first started watching it this last week and you were like, I love this show tonally, it's all over the place. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I still don't know how to talk about it or, you know, to describe it to somebody is so strange because it does feel like a constant a fever dream. But at the same time, it's not scary. So it's enjoyable and it's fun, but it deals with a lot of heavy questions in a light way, which is what makes it so enjoyable. But at the same time, enjoyable in the sense that it's it's fun and it's bingeable. But at the same time, it constantly is questioning itself and dealing with very heavy tones and themes. It likes to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of the fun of it too, because it's sort yeah. of fun to be in that uncomfortable space, that liminal space. I was just thinking about how, f- I think the most uncomfortable episode
1: for me was the first episode of season two, which is where they're in Korea and uh, yeah, there's just, everything is going wrong. Steven nailed it on the head when he said it was like a Safdie's film inside of a 30 minute episode of television.
0: hundred, hundred percent.
1: And it was just, it was relentless anxiety. And for me particularly because the characters are at each other's throats and at their own throats the whole time. And uh, it's a relentless experience, parts of the show, but I think it's very rewarding to process that and the reasons why that is and to watch the characters wrestle with that.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, and as a show that is constantly questioning itself and trying to establish its tone and its feeling, it's much like our podcast, The Cult Popcast. What is The Cult Popcast?
1: I don't know. (laughs) It's a relentless experience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I was going to say that I would not recommend this show to everyone hmm. because of the weird humor and the content and some of the deconstruction themes that the surrealism are asked. Yeah. But if you do enjoy a little bit more high art and can endure potty humor, <laughs> it's such a broad range. <laughs> I know. But, and you're interested in like good kind of cult following content. Yeah. Like the things we end up covering on our podcast then you will definitely like this show because it does so many things that are enjoyable. And both Gabe and I really liked it.
1: Yeah, and that we mentioned briefly too, but that's not even to speak of how wonderful this show is on like a technical level. From mm-hmm. the camera work to the cast, all the characters are so great. They're great. Yeah, the performances are all very memorable. you were talking about... Dave's girlfriend from season one who is his no longer girlfriend in season two her name in the show is Allie. her name in real life is taylor messiah or messiac
0: messiac messiac
1: can't we just can't do names here on this but the gal who plays Allie in the show her i think out of a cast of stellar performances hers was the most amazing to me and it just the acting is so naturalistic that it was maybe maybe it was most shocking to me because i'm I spend most of my time in genre film and television. Though when I see a show that is rooted in reality, even for Dave, which is still rooted in reality, to see a performance like that is really extremely interesting to me. And it wasn't even just her chemistry with Dave and the other characters, which was also incredible, but just her performance on its own as I was enraptured.
0: I think you're also enraptured because...
1: She's very beautiful. <laughs> But
0: that's aside, that's beside the point. We're talking about just the performance. Just the performance. No, I get it. I I agree with you hundred percent. There, there, as well. there
1: are so many little nuances to the character interactions in the show where yeah. there's just like it's a quick shot of like there's a moment in uh, season one or two where they find the milking table again because they're they, they, it's at a cookout. And, oh, uh, I think it's in season one. Yeah, it's like the end of the season and and Mike is, is yeah cooking steak, he's grilling steak, and he puts something on this table that is <laughs> under a tablecloth and it just sinks through the hole in the table. It's revealed to be the milking table. And there's there's a brief cut to Allie and Dave, and Allie like puts her hand on Dave's leg and it's such like a little it's such a tiny little yeah. physical interaction.
0: Very nuanced.
1: But the show and especially that character is so nuance is the perfect word. It's so filled with nuance that it's very rewarding to really pick those things up. Yes. And even on repeat viewings, I'm
0: sure I would see a lot more of that pop up. And in that way, I mean, if you were viewing this show as a comedy, it's much like Arrested Development or The Office, which is so full of good writing and the nuance that the writers would write into the show that it's got such a quality to it that just makes it so beloved, in my opinion. Yeah. and But
1: also, you know, the cast really brings that to life, too. Everything seemed, like, perfectly casted from... All of Dave's friends to to the random people they meet along the way. Yeah, totally, I agree. It was great. Can't really say enough. It was quite a memorable
0: experience. I'm excited to see the next season. Same. I can't believe it's already been a year. Like, I honestly can't. I mean, I can because 2020 was went by quick, in my opinion.
1: I'm shocked the turnaround was so fast. I know to be able to produce a show during the pandemic.
0: Yeah. In this, in the like regular time frame. <laughs> I agree. It's crazy. Good on them. But I hope to see season three soon. Yeah. And I hope to see Stranger Things season four sometime. That's 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 never coming out. That's supposed to have come out much like Spider-Man 3. (laughs) (laughs) We're never going to see these things.
1: (laughs) That cast by season five is just, they're going to be like grown at (laughs) I know. (laughs) They're They're going to be like,
0: hey, 11. (laughs) 11,
1: we got to go. The things you can do when your cast is 18 or older.
0: (laughs) It's crazy. All right. Well, here's a song from Dave season two
1: hey I'm Dave always looking for an angle till I'm squared oh I'm not always riding